Give credit to the answer backs. They really did try to come back from a 10-0 deficit, but at that point, it was just way too late. Let's talk about it. You are locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked on Dimebacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Listening to who? Your always charismatic host, Miller Thomas. Please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com to see all of my latest work. I've been hosting this podcast since 2020, and now I get to cover the D-backs in the World Series. I'm so excited. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to host this podcast without you guys, so thank you. Please continue to follow me on my personal account, at CreatorThomas24, or look up the show account, Locked on Dimebacks, both Twitter and Instagram, and of course, we're on all your podcasting platforms, and please hit subscribe to Locked on Diamondbacks on YouTube. And for today's show, we're going to be talking about can Zach Gallen put us on his back in segment number three? Reasons to still believe in segment number two. But in segment number one, we first have to start off by talking about game four. Sadly, because the D-backs got waxed in game four. And maybe it doesn't look that bad when we look at the final score of 11 to 7. But the D-backs were down 10 nothing in this one. And at that point, it was all but wrapped up. We talked about how we were still feeling confident in this D-backs team after yesterday's loss because the Rangers might be hurting from a health perspective. And that turned out to be true, right? Scherzer will be out the rest of this series. If there's a game seven, there will be no Max Scherzer pitching in that game. But most importantly... There's no more Adolis Garcia for the rest of this World Series, the rest of this postseason, which is just absolutely insane. Garcia, of course, has been one of the most scary players to face in this postseason. His numbers are insane. He was the ALCS MVP. This dude has been smashing home runs, had the walk-off in Game 1, has a ton of RBIs this postseason. Having him out the lineup, I thought maybe the sports gods were finally blessing the D-backs after we got some terrible calls by the umpire yesterday. I thought maybe it was the D-backs who were going to get a little break, right? But no, that was not the case. Instead, it was the Rangers who put up back-to-back five spots in the second and third inning. And once the Rangers did that, this game was pretty much over. With Garcia out, we saw Marcus Simeon finally decide to show up in the postseason. He was fantastic in this game early, getting the offense going and was a major contributor in that second inning to the five-run outburst that we saw by the Texas Rangers. And of course, his partner in crime, Mr. October, was phenomenal once again. He had how many hits did Corey Seager have in this game? Two hits. With uh, two RBIs, Marcus Simeon had five RBIs in this game, but Corey Seager once again kept the party going in the second inning with his third home run of the World Series, and that basically opened up the floodgates in this one. D-backs really never got anything going on offense. They were shut down in pretty much everything that they were doing. They did get some offense late in the game in the eighth and ninth inning, but pretty much everything before that, they were never really able to get a... Rally going, which, you know, 
when you're down 10, you really do want to rally. And it was not easy for the D-backs really to get anything going on offense. So what exactly happened that led to this D-backs big deficit? Well, number one, the bullpen game did not work. And Miguel Castro was just absolutely atrocious once again. Castro has not been good this postseason, to say the least. And he wasn't really that good in the regular season. There was a couple months stretch there in the first half where Castro looked really good. But on the year, Castro wasn't that effective in the regular season. And this postseason, I mean, he's a 13. He had, he had one earned run over 0.2 innings pitch allowed so far this World Series. If you look at what he did in the NLDS, two earned runs over one inning pitch, give up one earned run over three innings pitch in the NLCS. So pretty much every time he makes an appearance, it feels like he's going to give up an earned run. And that's what happened tonight. Castro was bad. He wow pitches Josh Young in for a run, and then he can't record an out on the last two dudes in the lineup which leads to mega which leads to a mega two out rally for the Rangers in that second inning and then Kyle Nelson comes in after the mega Simeon triple and gives up a home run to Corey Seager who of course is a stud but Kyle Nelson is a lefty and he's brought in for that lefty versus lefty situation that is when Kyle Nelson is supposed to be shut down right when you're doing the bullpen game you're matching up the platoon advantages and in that situation it's Kyle Nelson that is supposed to be shutting down Corey Seager and maybe you just shouldn't pitch to Corey Seager maybe that is the lesson from what we saw the first few games of the series because Against Bryce Harper, right, those first couple games in Philadelphia, he was hot, but then he got back to Arizona, and the rest of the series, he kind of cooled off a little bit, and it made sense to continue to pitch to him. But we are now four games in of the World Series, and Corey Seager continues to crush this D-backs pitching staff, so maybe it's time to stop pitching to Corey Seager. And maybe we shouldn't be surprised either that Kyle Nelson came in and just, you know, didn't help the D-backs out at all because Kyle Nelson is good when there's no one on the bases, but if you expect him to come in in a high-leverage moment, he's been terrible this season. If he comes in with men on the bases, he's been really bad this season as well. He's given up the eighth most inherited runners to score in the regular season, so this is a guy that you can't trust to get that big out with runners in scoring position when he's coming out the pen. It's been the exact opposite of that all season long and once again in the postseason it was Mr. October Corey Seager with the moonshot off Kyle Nelson so that was the first issue the bullpen game did not work the second issue once again Christian Walker made a huge mistake that costed the D-backs runs and this time it was a defensive mistake we know about his struggles at the plate Christian Walker has not been swinging a good bat recently, and it's been hurting the team a lot. But tonight, it felt like his offensive struggles seeped into his defense because on a transfer play, a potential double play, Christian Walker bobbled the ball, and it led to an error. The error led to the extension of the inning. The inning could have been over. It looked like it was going to be a double play. It's a play that we've seen Christian Walker make a million times because even on the transfer, he was like completely in control. He was poised during it. The ball just got away from him 
somehow. And it's a play that you never see Christian Walker make. So many games this postseason, Christian Walker has made elite defensive plays. I think in that game two against the Rangers, he made a couple of nasty plays over at first base. Christian Walker is going to win another gold glove, but in tonight's game, he made a huge mistake that costed the D-backs. You could say five runs because right after that, couple batters later, it leads to the five-run outburst. And that just completely deflates Chase Field. Your bullpen sucks in the second inning, which leads to the first five-run outburst. And then Christian Walker's defensive lapse in the third inning leads to another five-run outburst. When that happens, Chase Field gets completely deflated, and so did this D-backs team. The team tried to make runs when they were down 10, but... I really didn't take any of it serious until like the eighth inning. But even in the eighth inning, you were down 10 runs. So it was hard to take the offense serious at that point. And then the ninth inning was like a little microcosm of what's been so wrong with this D-backs offense the last couple games at home. Because yes, Gabriel Moreno, Gabriel came through with two outs in the ninth inning. But before that, he got a man on third, a man on second. You got Ketel Marte and Corbin Carroll up at the plate. And those guys can't bring home at least one run. That's really been the issue with this D-backs team. They're two for nine runners in scoring position in game four. They were like two for seven in game three. The D-backs are getting hits and opportunities. They're just not doing anything with it. And so their offense has to be better going forward. And then uh, a little question that I have watching this game should it have been Ryan Nelson that comes in after Manthply? Now, I say that sarcastically, but Ryan Nelson did look very good. Um, you know, those few innings he had to pitch, those extended innings. Now, I get it. It's obvious. It's a lot easier to make those pitches when you're in a 10-run hole. But I did think Ryan Nelson looked really good. Just wanted to give him a little shout-out. MVP of this game for the D-backs, probably. I don't know. At least I could throw his name in consideration. D-backs, of course, have a lot of ground to make up in this series, but I truly believe it's not over until it's over. We've seen this answerbacks team every time with their back against the wall make that comeback, win the next game. Why can't they do it again? If you want to feel optimistic, heading into tomorrow's Rangers game, the Rangers used seven relievers in this game four. They were up at one point, 10 runs. They used more relievers than the D-backs in this game when the D-backs were going with a big bullpen game. An absolute blowout. We even saw the Rangers use their closer. Rangers really wanted this win, and they got it. So how does that affect tomorrow and potentially the rest of this series? We'll see. And I do think the D-backs can extend this series, and we'll talk about why next. But if you also believe the D-backs can extend this series, then not, then why not place a little wager down, a little money at FanDuel Sportsbook? Because score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. 
My favorite thing to do is the same game parlay. I usually like to take the D-backs money line and the over on runs. If you did that in game four, the over on runs definitely hit whether you did the team Unless you did, you know, you could combine both teams on the over on runs or just the D-backs over on runs. Both of those definitely hit. What didn't hit was the D-backs money line. But I am feeling kind of confident heading into game five. I do think we're going to get an extended series. So I'm going to ride my favorite bet once again. Give me the over on the D-backs runs and give me the D-backs money line in game five and let's ride, baby. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Let's talk about one of the reasons why I still feel hopeful that the D-backs are are in this series. And the main reason why I think the D-backs are still in this series is because of their rotation and their pitching. The D-backs rotation is about to reset. We're going to get the top three once again at the top of the D-backs rotation. And the D-backs top, Zach Gallen, Merrill Kelly, and Brandon Fott, at their very best, all have the ability to be shut down and can go the distance, which are going to be two critical things going forward for the rest of the series. You have to first stop this Rangers offense. I'm not talking about limiting it. I'm talking about stopping it. You need to throw like a two-earn-run gem over at least six innings pitch if you're each one of those starters because we can't have another five spot in the second inning. We can't have another five spot in the third inning, right? Merrill Kelly and Brendan Fott were very good in games two and games three, but we might need an even better version of Brendan Fott than what we saw in game three. We need like that start he had against the Philadelphia Phillies where he was shut down in game three. We need that kind of start out of Brendan Fott. And the bullpen as it currently stands, doesn't feel super trustworthy, right? So it's like we need those starters to kind of go the distance because I don't really trust this bullpen until we get to the seventh inning. You can't go Castro. You can't go Kyle Nelson. Ryan Nelson would just use uh, Mantipa you could feel good about. Sal Frank you could feel solid about. And then, of course, the big three of Thompson, Ginkle, and Seawald. But feels like the options are starting to get more and more limited as the series is going on. So the D-backs are really going to need their starters to kind of go deep into these ball games and get us back in this series. We basically need what Merrill Kelly did in game two to happen again, but also for that to rub off on Zach Allen and Brandon Fott. I know that's not an easy task, no doubt, but all three of those guys at least have potential to do it. It wouldn't surprise you if a Gallon went out there and had a big game, a Brandon Fott or Merrill Kelly, because we all know that their ceiling can be a shutdown number one starter. Maybe Brandon Fott feels a little bit more unlikely, but from what we've seen this postseason, Gallon probably feels the least improbable of those three to have kind of a shutdown start, even though he's maybe the most talented of those three starters. He's probably the dude I'm feeling the least confident in right now. And a start like game two in Milwaukee is like all that I want if you go back to the wild card series because in that game two start against the Brewers, he had six innings pitch, 
two earned runs, and I just think that would be the perfect kind of stat line against this Texas Rangers team. And that game two star against the Brewers, that wasn't even elite Zach Allen. That was pretty good Zach Allen, but I wasn't watching that start like, man, this is the Zach Allen that every D-backs fan raves about in the regular season. The gallon that everyone says is the milkman. The gallon that says every, the the gallon that everyone says is the most underrated pitcher in baseball. No, he wasn't that guy, but he was still pretty good Zach Allen. And I think the last two starts of the regular season that we saw from Zach Allen, I think we saw a pretty elite Zach Allen because he went 12.1 innings pitch with 15 strikeouts and two earned runs allowed. How do we get to that guy again? How do we bring back that guy? We need our ace more than ever to step up in this moment. We need our ace with our back against the wall in a big elimination game to come through. The milk jug signal is in the sky. We got the bat signal in the sky. We need Zach Gallon. Maybe it would be goggles for Zach Gallon. I don't know. I don't know what his bat signal silhouette would be. It's either a milk jug or it's goggles. Maybe it's goggles. I don't know. Gallon, he didn't come through in game five of the last series, but that was only 2-2. We are now facing elimination. If Gallon does not perform tomorrow, it's go home time. There's no more baseball. The series, the season for every Major League Baseball team is over. The Texas Rangers would be crowned World Series champion. So we need Gallon to step up in a big way. And I'm hoping, knowing the fact that it's, a win or go home situation. I'm hoping that's the catalyst that Zach Allen needs to finally be elite once again. I'm hoping that just unlocks something, that dog within Zach Allen where he's like, you know what? I got to go seven innings, one earned run, eight strikeouts tonight because we need that Zach Allen. And one thing I'm kind of scared of, if Zach Allen doesn't win tomorrow and the Rangers do, I'm kind of scared that they might jump in the pool if they clinch on the D-backs home turf. So we cannot see that. I do not want to see any Rangers players jumping in the pool if they win the World Series. So we need Zach Gallon to come up big in Game 5. And then we get the ball to Kelly on the road in Game 6. We've already seen him be dominant in Texas this series. He went five innings, one earned run, eight Ks in game six against Philadelphia when the D-backs were down 3-2. Exact same scenario. So we know Kelly is that dude. Philadelphia at the time was the most unwinnable place in Major League Baseball. The atmosphere, everything was insane. Kelly went out there and still dominated. The Rangers are our worst team at home. So get to get back to Texas, get through game five, Get to game six with Merrill Kelly on the mound. Kelly is a dog. I, I would have the utmost confidence that he will throw an absolute gem in game six. And so just get it back to Texas. Kelly will get us through game six. And then, of course, in the game seven, anything can happen. Knowing the Rangers are a little bit more vulnerable on the road in the game seven, or excuse me, at home in the game seven makes me feel a little bit better. And we've seen Brandon Fott already pitched a game seven and look pretty good as well. And I also thought he looked not that bad in game three. Like I know he got rocked by Corey Seager and had the three run inning. But outside of that, I thought he looked pretty good, had his longest start this postseason. So I think at this point, I at least have confidence that Brendan Fott will give the D-backs a chance and put them in position to win a game seven. 
Maybe he won't twirl a gem like Merrill Kelly, but I think his floor at this point, this postseason, is at least higher than a Zach Gallons right now. So I'm at least confident that Brendan Fott won't go out there and get rocked if there's a Game 7. So right now, this series lies on the shoulder of the D-backs' number one starter, Zach Allen. Can he get us to a Game 6? That's the question, because if he can, we're cooking with gas. And if we're cooking with gas in a Game 6, then I'll go smash the D-backs in 7 on FanDuel. Now we'll talk about can Zach Gallen put the team on a put the team on his back in game 5 and preview game 5, but first Right, let's get back into the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Don't forget to catch every D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the Sirius XM app and search up Diamondbacks. Now let's talk about if Zach Gallon can put the team on his back and come through with a huge victory in Game 5 because this series is over if Zach Gallon does not come through. If we see the Zach Gallon we saw the last three starts, you guys can kiss this D-back season goodbye. I will still be happy with the results of how this season has ended. I can accept a World Series loss as a D-backs fan because I'm still so appreciative of this historic run that the D-backs went on. But I still want to see the D-backs win this thing, and it will not happen if Zach Allen cannot come through in Game 5. In Game 1 against the Texas Rangers, he was not great. It was not terrible, I guess, but it was definitely not good. Zach Allen, five innings, three earned runs, four walks. Like it was just a, it was a meh. It was a meh start. His command was all right. Like it was not the best command. He got hit a couple times, made a couple mistakes. Like the positives from that game one start, his velo was up in a big way. Actually, his fastball was up like oh, was up like 1.1 miles per hour. His changeup was up like 1.6 miles per hour. Like his velo was actually up a ton in Game One. So I do like the fact that as the season has gone longer, Zach Allen is somehow throwing harder. I want him to be more effective because he wasn't that effective at producing outs. He had some command issues, and the pitch that was most effective at Getting outs for him in that game one start was the changeup. So I don't know if he throws more changeups in game five. Like, I'm not really the guy to tell you what your pitching arsenal and sequence things should be. I just know the changeup was super effective at producing outs for Zach Allen in game one. So I wonder if he wants to throw that pitch a little bit more. His two go-to pitches are his fastball and his curveball. And those two were the, the most hit hard in his Game one start, the fastball and curveball were not his friend uh, too much in game one. He was able to get a couple strikeouts here and there, but he also walked some dudes on that, uh, on those pitches, threw some pitches out the zone, missed his target a couple times. So we really just need Zach Allen to hone in his arsenal once again. This is a guy that could throw five pitches, six pitches if he really wants to, but Maybe simplify things. Maybe a little bit. May, maybe make things a little bit easier. Maybe you throw your cutter a little bit more. Maybe you throw that change up a little bit more. I don't know. He'll get with Brent Strom. They'll talk it out. One thing, real quick, just a side note, tangent on Brent Strom. One thing that I did hear uh, Arizona sports listener call in and say, I hadn't thought about this, but he was like, "Can we stop having Brent Strom go up to talk to the pitcher before they pitch to Corey Seager? Because he went to talk to Paul Seawall before Corey Seager." 
first pitch, 420-foot home run. And then he did the same in uh, Game 3 where Brandon Fott talked to him right before Corey Seager. First pitch, 420-foot home run. I just thought it was a really funny point. Maybe Brett Strom shouldn't talk to these pitchers right before they face a Corey Seager. But I do think he needs to sit down with a Zach Gallon to hone in that arsenal because this game is a great opportunity at redemption for Zach Gallon for his last few postseason starts. This is the dude that's supposed to be the ace of the staff. And recently in the postseason, in these big-time matchups, and these big-time games, Zach Gallon has not looked like that guy. If you pull off a Game 5 gem and extend this series, all those other postseason starts, they're going to get swept under the rug. Yeah, when you go back and look at baseball reference or look at Zach Gallon's game logs you know, throughout the years, you're going to be like, huh, he wasn't that great in the 2023 World Series. But, man, that game... Five start when the D-backs were facing elimination. Zach Allen came through in a big way, and he will go down as the legend for it, especially if the D-backs come back and win this series. But it all starts in game five. If you're able to pull off that win in game five, if you're Zach Allen, and then the D-backs win this series, you will always be considered a legend in Phoenix. So, it's going to be a big game with how the D-backs fans feel about Zach Gallon going forward because I've heard a lot of D-backs fans say, like a lot of people are telling me, they don't know if Zach Gallon is a true ace. Some people are saying we still need to go out this offseason and get a true number one starter. Like, I don't really believe any of that. I do think Zach Gallon's a number one ace. I just think he's been so weird the second half of the season, really like those last couple months. I don't know why, but I can't dispute that Zach Gallon has been bad the second half and in this postseason and he needs to be better so Gallon can shut up everyone with a shut down start tomorrow and then on the other side for the Rangers it's not going to be easy against nasty Nate Evaldi because I think he's truly the epitome of a guy who's a big game pitcher he's like a pretty good regular season pitcher like a high-end elite number three, a pretty good number two that you like, but I think he's someone who just elevates his game in the postseason and those high-pressurized moments. And despite giving up five earned runs in less than five innings in game one, he scares me a lot. Because he was so bad in game one, I think he's going to have a redemption story in tomorrow's game. And with the opportunity to clinch, I think we're going to get an A-plus Evaldi. So, Tomorrow, I think, is going to come down to whose starter is better. And I believe Avaldi will be great. So we're going to need Zach Gallon to be even greater. Unless the D-backs offense can do some damage against the Rangers bullpen, I think this is going to be a low-scoring affair. I think it's going to be reminiscent of Game 3, where three runs could be enough to win it. And if that's the case, of course, I'm hoping that's the D-backs who are on the right side of things this time around. Now that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. We'll be talking about how the D-backs extended the series on tomorrow's podcast. So come back for that. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. Don't forget to catch every D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the Sirius XM app and search up Diamondbacks. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Doses.